All right, great to have you here on this Wednesday. It is that time in the week when we bring in our friends over at Black Locks Reporter. We get our friend Tom Korski in, managing editor, who does a lot of the digging of the stories that you should hear about because they do, in fact, affect you. Tom Korski, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Alex. Boy, oh boy, has it been busy in your world. A couple of really um, crazy uh, headlines. I mean, first of all, let me get your thoughts on... Um, breaking up by voicemail. I mean, I'd say it's worse. I'd say it'd be worse if it was done by text, as I uh, have experienced before. But um, Senator Denise Batter getting dumped by voicemail by Aaron O'Toole. How do you feel like this is going to play out for him? Well, it, well it's not a vote of confidence. Uh, and Senator Batter was expelled from the caucus, lifelong conservative, as she identified herself. And she made a public comment that uh, she described yeah. as opposition leader is so weak he fired me by voicemail, um, it, it it starts to become, uh, Alex, and the Conservative Party went through this in 2019, it, it, it starts to become sort of self-perpetuating, doesn't it? So you will have, yeah. obviously, members of caucus who are unhappy with losing two elections in a row and feel they cannot afford to lose a third. And, and, and that does become dire. And But, but what's the solution? So the party has said that uh, Senator Batter's proposal for some sort of referendum on a leadership review isn't even feasible, but the alternative is two years. That's the next national convention for the party in Quebec City 2023. That's a long time. Look at what's happened in the last two years. They have gone now through two leaders. So it, it does become expensive. No kidding. They don't have time to be screwing around right now. You know what? Canadians uh, elect politicians to get uh, stuff done. And right now we have Canadians have too much on their mind to be uh, worrying about all the squabbling. So get it together or get out of the way. That's how I look at it. All right. Um, this story, I don't know if it's just me. I find it very weird, if not uh, troubling. But the Privy Council, as you guys have found out, the Privy Council commissioned a study before the election. It divided voters into segments based on their views on things like masks and vaccines. And, quote, a successful segmentation is one that provides usable insights. This, according to the study, which was called psychographic segmentation of Canadians regarding COVID. And so what the polling was for um, and used and, sh- and revealed was that most Canadians trusted cabinet and were very angry with people who didn't follow pandemic rules. And so pollsters suggested to Mr. Trudeau, he should maybe exploit these divisions among voters on things like vaccine mandates. Is that true? Alex, it's quite a stark and cynical Whole, and it serves no useful purpose, so the inference is it was only done for political reasons. What they did was they asked people, of course, the, the usual demographic questions, but they asked these psychographic questions. And the questions all involved how Canadians felt about the pandemic, and they identified people who were afraid of becoming sick. This would be women, uh, young women under 34, and retirees, for instance. And they found that those people were very, very angry. I'm not making these words up. These are words from the research. Fearful of contracting COVID. Very angry, Alex, with people who don't follow the rules. And then they discovered there were other segments of people, this were typically working-age men, prairie residents, Catholics, who weren't so keen on taking government orders and were more live-and-let-live when it came to compliance with health orders. 
And the inference is that Cabinet did a mathematical calculation and said, you know, we might be able to pull this election off if we set one against the other. And that's exactly what they did in the campaign. How dark is that? Yeah, we can win the election. It will come at the country's destruction of divisions and exploiting people, but we'll still win, right? I mean, that's that's basically what they've done. It's the very worst thing, um, you know, uh, it's kind of the, the callousness of politics. And these were appeals to fear and anger in the words of this research paper that they commissioned. Now, it didn't work. They didn't get their majority. And... And, and so now you have the worst case scenario is you're left with the fear and the division. People know that they went through a campaign and it continues to this day where uh, there, there is no sense of, well, let's just be put the cards on the table, Alex. I mean, this is a completely cynical exercise where some people tried to game what was a national crisis for personal, yeah. or political or commercial advantage. And now we know about it. So now everybody's really happy. I mean, it's, 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 it's that cynical. Well, it is, but again, will it get covered? Because this this should be an issue. Um, the prime minister should be taken to task and asked about this. The facts are all there. Because if you guys can find them, so can everyone else. Um, and if Aaron O'Toole can just get out of the way, maybe the prime minister will, in fact, be asked about it. But you know, I, my hope is not uh, eternal. Then there's this other story, and I find this one fascinating. It's really inside baseball, but it's important. So Charles Robert gets paid two hundred thirty-one thousand a year to be the clerk of the House of Commons. And so he's supposed to be nonpartisan. He's supposed to, you know, that his role is nonpartisan. And now he's off duty under allegations of incompetence and having a pro-liberal bias. And um, apparently no one knew that he's taken this leave. But when you guys get your hands on these, you know, emails um, that reveal letters between this man, Robert, and the government house leader uh, and leaking confidential records to liberal MPs on things like procedural matters, which you're not supposed to do. There's also numerous complaints against this guy by senior management who quit under him. He's denying all allegations, but now he's on this secretive leave. What's the story here? You know what's interesting is this is how the 44th Parliament's going to open on Monday. Uh, <laughs> do, do you remember the certain people were saying, we have a mandate, we're all, we're all in this together, forget about that. You know, yeah. this was going to be pyrotechnics from the, from the starting gate. And this is indeed, this is the clerk of the House. Uh, he is a cabinet appointee, but he is absolute, he's just a functionary. Just ensure the smooth operation of the House of Commons, not a complicated job. People have done it for 152 years, but there were complaints first uncovered by the CBC uh, involving resignations, protests, complaints of incompetence, the man slept on the job, uh, complaints mm-hmm. of bias, that he leaked confidential data to the advantage of the government, that he remarked after the 2019 campaign something to the effect of, man, this is good for my career because otherwise if the conservative won, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and and it, even an officialdom, this was seen as sort of eccentric. Well, Buddy's off with on paid leave now uh, and his job is up on Monday because how do you be the clerk of the House of Commons when you're at home? Uh, we asked that and we said, well, that's personal. They, they said it's personal information. What's the takeaway here, Alex, is the wheels are already off the bus and, and mm. the 44th Parliament hasn't even gotten underway yet. It will be very lively. No kidding. I just, you know, Ottawa's just broken. 
it's just really broken, um, frankly. Uh, there's there's too, too much coziness between the Privy Council and the government of the day. It just is. Um, so I, I don't know why people are okay with it. I just want to quickly get this uh, off um, off of this before I let you go. So the Prime Minister's officer, you guys had this story about Sophie Gregoire Trudeau um, putting out this letter on Remembrance Day to her grandfather, talking about how he was killed in Normandy in 1944. We take time to deeply be grateful for all the service and sacrifice and all the things. So she goes on this rambling kind of a poem that she put onto social media about her, her grandfather who lost his life during World War II, except her grandfather did not die during the war. He was actually a non-combat role. He died at 83, um, lived a good long life. But her great-uncle died. A lot of people are, are, are giving you guys a lot of blowback. Um, is this a mistake, or, or did they try to, you know, torque up her, her grandfather's life? Like, what's the story here? Well, the implication is that there was uh, some garbling, and that's sort of how we reported it. There was some garbling of her social media message. What uh, the prime minister's wife had to do with Remembrance Day was not obvious, and and I, I don't want to be unfair or blunt. It wasn't really about her poem. It was really about the war dad. That's what Remembrance Day is. The implication is there was some garbling. We asked the prime minister's office for an explanation and got none. Only after the the fact I actually counted it was 29 hours after the fact that's a press office their job is to take press calls you know uh, Alex many families in our country have personal contact with uh, combatants combat veterans and uh, Remembrance Day is should be the most uh, apolitical observance of the calendar year there are others but none is somber and that day is all about the war dead, not your poem, not your favorite relative. It's really about those tens and tens of thousands of Canadians who died for our country in service. It's supposed to, but uh, nonetheless. All right. Well, here we go. Tom, my very pleasure to have you. I always thank you for your time. I know you guys are very busy, but uh, thanks a lot. Thank you, Alex. That is Tom Korski, who is with Black Locks Reporter. It is subscription-based, worth every single penny. I always say that, but of course you can join us to hear them. Monday and Wednesdays at 9 o'clock. Alex Pearson on Point. This is Global News Radio.